Hello and welcome to The Dive presented by Roster Lock. The deadline was yesterday and all hell broke out. This is one season move. six episode. It's not one move. There's multiple moves. Uh, they picked up uh, Perry in addition to trading River. In addition to Soul going back to Academy. That's three right there off the top of my head, Mark. And Season solo. six, episode 21. There's some more numbers for you, Isaiah. I know you love those. <laughs> love numbers. Numbers. Are especially the, the season and episode numbers. <laughs> yeah, especially the episode number. You know, that, that's a classic. <laughs> we need to figure out how many episodes of the dive we've done. That's total, the, total. The, total episodes. That's something I have no idea. Winner will get a prize of some kind. We're not going to do this math, but whatever intrepid fan... This counting calculates. It, it would be really easy. At some at some point last year, <laughs> yeah. I, I counted and it. I was like, "Wow, we've done a lot of episodes," but I forget how many we did. You was, brought this up the last two weeks, and this is why I know that we're never going to figure this out between the three of us because we haven't done it yet. So. Maybe I'm going to do it right after this. Maybe. maybe or a fan will tweet at us after hearing this intro. <laughs> I'm going to give that maybe one percent chance. Another number, great, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going the rest of this episode without talking numbers. Okay. There's no number coming out of my mouth. That's going to be fun because we have a patch discussion. <laughs> it's going to be hard. <laughs> Here's a number for you, Mark. Four for the fourth seed that LEC gets for oh, Worlds. Shit, that was clean. Oh my god, dude, how'd you do that? <laughs> Lots of practice. Um, okay, <laughs> so yeah, LEC is getting an extra uh, fourth seed this time around. Um, it is, it is judged it. off of the last two years of international performance, um, and even though just this last year at Worlds. Uh, North America actually won more games than EU. Uh, and That's both, right. And both, <laughs> Any greater than EU. And both got, both got one team out of groups. Um, the previous uh, years, EU did better. So they get the fourth spot. Uh, congratulations. Although, remember last time EU got a fourth spot, the team did not make it out of plans. True. Yeah. And now, plans is very crowded. So I'm pretty sure we're guaranteed... To have uh, at least one major region team not make it out. Yeah. Because both the third seed and the fourth seed of EU have to actually play in plans this time. Oh. It's not just the fourth seed. Oh, the third and the fourth seed. So that's I'm like 90% sure on that. Now you well, wouldn't, wouldn't there have to be the same amount of slots in groups, though? So it would just mean more teams would get out of plans? I think. Um, Unless they're changing it completely. Well, because the LCL seed would have been in play-ins. You assume the, the new team would take their spot in play-ins. Yeah. Um, oh, that would actually make sense. Be. Yeah, because so Vietnam be is in against, and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure they both have to play in play-ins. So as of right now, LEC is the only region that has had teams fail in play-ins. They could have two more yeah. teams fail in play-ins. LMS as well. LMS did, but I, I guess it, maybe we don't count them as a major region anymore. Yeah. But in the past, they had their second yeah. seed fallout. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting, right? And I do think it, it is uh, a big test. It's easier to like kind of just write it off. Oh, well, like one time our four seed did bad, whatever. It's 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 not indicative of a region strength. It's indicative of like one team had a bad performance. If it happens again, people will start to kind of, I think, uh, take it more seriously. Um, especially because it was mad, right? It was mad that did it. Yeah. Um, they were really close to actually getting dead last in their group. They were one game away. I think they had a tiebreaker for last. Otherwise, they wouldn't have even made it to the knockout stage of play-in. And then they got smacked in a best of five. That wasn't even the, the best of five to get into groups. It was like a best of five 
before the best of five to get in or maybe even two best of fives before. So like they were pretty far away from actually making it out. So it wasn't like, ah, they got to the final game and almost made it. Like they kind of got clapped in, in play-ins, um, which was surprising. It wasn't like the craziest shock of all time that a team didn't make it out. But I, but I was very surprised that they actually just got stomped in play-ins and didn't make it out. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's still the the region that deserves the fourth day. I know some yeah. people were like, did take that argument like NA was hasn't been that much worse. <laughs> they should get it. And some people are like, just give it to no, the we, fifth seed. Yeah, and no, like, they deserve it. They deserve they, it. They definitely deserve it. Um, but here's my hot take about fourth seeds. They don't really matter. <laughs> They're not doing anything ever at Worlds, anyways. Uh, here's there's two problem or not problems, but like conflicting ideas going on at Worlds. One is to be like the premier tournament where the best teams in the world compete, but also regional representation. And those are not always the same thing because sometimes it's true the fourth seed from a region could be better than the first or second from another one. And so no matter what, you're kind of balancing these two things out. Um, and so you do need some regional representation that even if they're not going to be the best teams. But the problem for me, fourth seeds have never gotten out of groups except last year with well, Hanwha Life. Didn't uh, LPL fourth seed? Nope. No? Nope. Oh. LNG and LGD. Both times, think it out of groups. LGD had a horrible planes in 2020. They were True. they were like one in five or something, but got through. Um, and then they they beat TSM, who was the zero six team that year. Um, but <laughs> the Hanwha Life esports team that got out of groups last year mm -hmm. that was with Fnatic's implosion, where you know they were missing upset had to stuff. leave, and yeah. obviously the team internally was just in complete turmoil. Mm. And then you can question like, do they get out of that group if Fnatic's actually like a functioning team? Probably not in my mind, um, but you know that's debatable. But I just don't think that the four seeds are ever going to make significant noise at Worlds, even if they do get out of a group. Mm. Um, and they don't really help with regional representation in a sense because all these regions already have three teams. Mm -hmm. And so my perspective is that the fourth seeds are kind of a waste. And I would rather, <laughs> honest to God, give them to the more wild cards and just like have more teams in there, more regional representation, or just trim the amount of teams. See, and, and I just have more makes more space for double elimination, which is not happening this year. I actually day. am kind of hyped because like, we, you know, we started out talking about, you know, last time when uh, when Mad Lines didn't get out. But now we actually have like a good chance uh, with two LEC, LEC teams in there for there to be real conflict and real drama and real trash talk with like the NA third seed trying to get out and one of either the third or fourth of the LEC seed trying to get out. And so... But simply by doing this, we are increasing our chances of NA versus EU best of series. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually think it is more hype. Like people are always trying to find ways to get more of those types of, and like you're saying, you know, cross region yeah. um, battles. And while, yeah, it sucks that we don't have uh, more minor region representation, at least we get the trade off of there's a bigger chance of. Oh, like NA versus EU. I wonder if they'll make it. So like obviously in the in the main stage, you can't seed into yeah, the same group, group right? Yeah. If they do that for playing, that's very beneficial for them. Um, but because they're taking the LCL spot, LCL would have been able to seed in the same same uh, group as like the third EU seed. So I wonder if it'll actually maintain that and they could potentially play in against the past, their own. Fourth seeds couldn't do that. Um, like if, if the Chinese fourth seed was moving up, they could not get put in a group with the Chinese third, second, or first seed for yeah. the LPL. I assume that will stay true. The weirder for part... for play-ins? The weirder part is for play-ins. That's what I'm talking what about. Because what happens is the groups are pollinated, you know, by these two teams, and then whoever gets out of the groups play cross-group. Yeah. And so there's no way to make it 
So unless you just straight up say we're going to forbid them from playing against each other, these scenarios, because otherwise, like, OK, you're not going to put them in the same group, but then you also can't allow them to play in case one of them gets first and one gets second. Yeah, and I, I think they well, I, I, I'm just speaking just from my perspective, <laughs> but I would think that they would just have them completely emulate what the, the what the LCL yeah. seed was gonna, and those rules that yeah. they were going to have to play by and they were going to have to organize by. So by that logic, they would be able to play. And they would be able the, to be in the, the same other group. team and would be able to be in That'd the same That'd be so group. hype. Yeah. The third seed playing the fourth seed. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting. And so if I went back to double check. So it was um, Mad went one in three uh, in, in the group stage, um, then had a tiebreaker with INTZ, got out of that, then actually had a, a close best of five against Supermassive. They lost 2-3, but then Supermassive was the one that got clapped in the next best of five. They lost 3-0 to UOL. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if like they are just really dominant, both the EU teams crush through, or if if this kind of like repeats itself a bit, or if like, I mean, if they both ended up in the same group, it would be interesting if the fourth seed, you know, does better than the third seed and things like mm -hmm. this. So I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Like I'm, I'm all yeah. for having, having the extra team there. And I was never one of the people that was like, ah, they don't deserve it. Like I, I don't, I don't actually care. It seemed pretty obvious. It should just be by the calculations of like who, yeah. who has the best international success. They're next on the list. So they get it. Yeah. Um, and I'd also rather they do that than just give a fifth seed to, to the LPL. Um, because I do think like it yeah. is, it is interesting to have regional representation at these events. Yeah. No, nobody wants it to be super lopsided and just yep. turn into a whole bunch of LPL teams. I think what's most funny to me the, is the that EU fans like that. always, <laughs> always claim the LCL team anyway, when they do well. And they're like, that's, uh, that's our four seed, you know, the, the, the Russian team or whatever. And now they actually <laughs> have taken that seed and that is actually going to be their, their four seed, which is pretty funny to me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, uh, excited to see more clashes. Yeah. I, I did like Parth's tweet about like the LCS. Play us L for it. Yeah. Play yeah. us for it. Like, <laughs> that would be such a hype show match of just Battle like. Battle of the Atlantic. Yeah. Just, yeah. They fly over. You meet them at, at customs. Yeah. And if they lose, they play a best of five. They play on a ship in international waters oh, between. Be they each have ping. Yeah. No, we bring a server out like on an actual ship. They play on this ship in the water. We should get a cruise and then like production can make like a mini vacation. We all get a little cruise liner that we're, yeah, we're hanging exactly. out on. Perfect. I'm down. It sounds it. great. Yeah. Can't wait. We can get this sponsored by some cruise some line. Cruise then, line then, has to sponsor yeah. then the cruise line goes from there to wherever you know Worlds is that year. Perfect. <laughs> Going down to Mexico City for the, the plane. will be insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We're gonna have to do that for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do that for sure. For sure. It's guaranteed. <laughs> Buy your tickets. Uh, River also got uh, got traded to Golden Guardians. Right at the the deadline there. Yeah. That is is a big move for Golden Guardians. They're like. The positive side of this is definitely the Golden Guardian side. The negative side is definitely the Dignitas side. So um, I actually think it is positive for Dig too. Yeah. So here's okay. my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm let me finish my okay. dig on them first, because to me this feels like Dignitas's franchise player. And if you if you are selling this guy, that's wraps on the season, right? Like, and they were already doing very poorly. They are obviously trying going to try to look towards the future. So that's kind of the glass half full take. Um, but I think a lot of people that are Dig fans are going to be disappointed because like River was the guy to cheer for. And River was the guy that most people were looking at that it was like, ah, well, maybe he can carry us. You know, like when when people mm -hmm. talk about Ding Toss, really the only positive thing that people consistently talked about on Ding Toss this year was River. And mostly, to be honest, River J4 back in spring. Um, so like 
and when I've talked to players and when I've talked to coaches, people still think River is really, really good. He just hadn't been working on, on Dignitas. So I am excited to see him joining Golden Guardians, who I believe to be a better team. I think their laners are better as well. Uh, so he doesn't necessarily have to be in that position where like he has to dominate earlier they lose. So I, I'm really interested to see like what it can do that, for that team. Um, and if he's like a better attitude fit and stuff, like, you know, maybe maybe like the t- players are going to be kind of having that honeymoon phase mm-hmm. uh, for him coming in. So I'm excited to see how he does with Golden Guardians, but definitely like my view of uh, on the Dignitas side is yes, they can look towards the future and, and try to bring up some rookies, but I feel like that's wraps on the season. Like I, I don't see them winning any games. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I actually applaud it. It is a yeah. realistic view. Uh, cut your losses. Dignitas knows. They're not going to, you know, even even if they squeaked in at an eighth place into playoffs, they're going to they're not going to get far. Yeah. So, they're cutting their losses and they're trying to get paid and trying to make value and and build for something positive uh looking forward with the time that they have left. It's trade deadline, so they're like, "Quick, we got to at least get some money here." Uh plus, they're actually doing River a favor and they're like, Go! It's like the 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 lifting the kid up in the pool. It's like go. You know, if you love something, Gazelle, you gotta That's let it great. go. You gotta let it go, and maybe it'll come back to you if it's meant to be. Deer toss are letting <laughs> River go, back. and they're like, River, we love you. Go into playoffs. Have a good time. Maybe you'll come back, and you know when they when they've rebuilt. But I actually think it's realistic to basically bow out. This is basically yeah. to me. I, I agree with you. Deer toss are bowing out. Um, and there, it also gives them. Not only does River get a better life with <laughs> with his foster family, <laughs> but it also gives them opportunity to. You know, they signed Perry uh, from um, amateur three hundred team. I've seen him a whole bunch. He's been popping off in Champs Q. Um, they are moving up XU. XU was actually did really well when he got some LCS time. People were excited. Uh, so you know, it gives them some room to also move around some other pieces. Yes, they're not, they obviously have no more playoff hopes, but I think this is actually just a realistic move when you're in this position. It's a shit position to be in. Nobody wants to be at the bottom, but you have, you have to live in reality and work on those constraints. Isn't this just like if TSM drops speaker, like this is their one piece that everyone is like, this is your good, this is your good piece, right? So like, you know, I get, I get like, shipping out a lot of stuff and bringing up rookies but it feels like this is the piece they're supposed to build around like what's what are they going to build around next i mean so he he was in the contract until 2024 i believe so like in that sense yeah but also did he feel like a franchise player like face of the org kind of thing i think in like personality wise no probably not yeah so he's he's really good but like your team's not winning right now i don't know what his morale is behind the scenes you know he, he could also be saying like I'm going to try and get out of this contract at the end of this year. And so it could be a situation where they're like, all right, well, if, if you're going to try and leave, then we'll try and move you right now and get some money for it, like Kobe's saying, and start giving their other pieces playing time. Um, how much of a long-term solution he was to Dignitas, I'm not convinced of just because his contract was that length. People have signed contracts before and then dipped out before them. So I, I didn't see him as a franchise player, as good as he is. It didn't seem like Who that. Who is then? So I think that this is, I'll jump in real quick. I think that, and this is just a, you know, outside perspective on how to build generically an LCS team. I think a lot of the teams are especially now taking the route of, all right, we don't want to have the cornerstone and build around an import. They want to first try and find some NA talent to build around and then add your supplemental, you know, import slots on top of that. 
Uh, and Jungle has historically been one of the <clears throat> most fruitful, <laughs> um, bountiful, There's some good North crops. American, <laughs> North American positions. Uh, North America has produced a lot of junglers. Um, you know, whether they're toxic or not, or, you know, all these other things come <laughs> in into play. It's <laughs> an hmm. unfair role. You, you get made to be toxic. Yeah. Um, it, I, that's that's to me is 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 uh, you know maybe one explanation for it. And, and I don't think that like you have to pretend you have a franchise player if you don't. I think that's sometimes something that, that teams I've heard over the last couple of years be like this guy's our franchise player, and I'm like, is he though? Yeah. You know, like from either a skill level or a branding level, like you have these questions, and I just don't think you have to pretend that like any of these people are necessarily the long-term solve right now yeah. for a last place team. I guess I guess I just feel way more negative about this, but I'm just like, I think you need talent to attract talent, right? Like anytime I talk to talk to players about about like where they're gonna go, it's like usually the reason that they're okay of going to a team, and there there are exceptions, but usually is like, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go cast LCS because Kobe's already there and like at least we'll have good, you know, two people. You know, so you're like, attracted to me. Yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those kind of situations, right? Where it's like usually like, oh, like Bjergsen talks about, oh, so, I want to go to TL because Core JJ's there, or oh, I want to go on TSM because Speaker's there. So it's like when you lose all the pieces, I do think it can become pretty hard to rebuild. And also, as far as like, you don't necessarily need a franchise player. Well, I kind of feel like you do if you want fans. Like, who's who's who are you supposed to cheer for? Well, so the the counter example of this is CLG. Because That's what I, was I, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> we were looking at each other. Like, we were like, go ahead. Know where we're but going they, with they, this. they rebuilt their entire management. They like got rid of everything, right? It's like drain the swamp. Yeah, but but like the the old way of building rosters was kind of that mentality, I think, where it's like we have to have talent to d attract talent. It's like, well, you can also do this thing, develop talent. Or like find players that want to work together already and bring them in together. And I think for the CLG roster... They, they came into an org that was pre-boomed. Yes, there was new management, but there was no necessarily reason to trust, like have a ton of faith in it. They got these players together. They struggled in spring. They were ninth place. They didn't look good, but they stuck it out. They made like the one swap they think they need to make and they've improved and they're getting better. And I think that's a much better blueprint for uh, orgs that don't have the budget to throw around to use talent to attract talent, like maybe a Team Liquid or EG can or something. Um, I think it's much more likely that you're able to do what CLG did than like hold on to River, convince people that Dignitas is the hot spot to go because River's here. You know, I think this is this is better because XU and Spawn have looked good in the Academy. Like these are players that you need to start evaluating realistically in the future. And I think that's where Dig fans should be excited is, okay, yeah, you lost River. We all, we're not going to pretend that doesn't suck because River's awesome. But XU was really good in Academy. Spawn in his one game or two games? One game? Two games? Two. Yeah, he looked good in the C9 game, um, at least. And so, like, these are players that, like, the season's not going anywhere to this point. Like, go go start working on these players. And, and maybe some of these you can keep into the next year and start building around. Yeah. That's, it, that's the positive spin. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I think it's cool that we have, like, a couple of these arcs now where evil geniuses at the very top, you know, have this. They're basically the picture of the end of the graph. And they're like, look, we've got our great young North American talent combined with these you know, super LEC experience MVP. imports yep. and LEC MVP and Impact, who's been playing here forever and, you know, has so much game knowledge and, you know, all, all of these things, like, you know, all combined. And then they're like, go backwards down the timeline and, oh, look at CLG here. You know, they've uh, they've taken that route of, like, putting the Academy super team together, basically. You know, yeah. Dokla, MVP Academy, all these guys that have worked their way through the system and then all the way back and just basically proven that they have and then we're willing to put in the hard work. Like, 
Um, all of those guys have have really done the grind. Even Hundred Thieves is that model too a little bit. I mean, it came from Golden Guardians. I mean, I, enough, yeah, but. I feel like EG and and Hundred Thieves are not the model that CLG is using at all. I think they're pretty different because they did use just money, right? Like 100, eventually, Hundred Thieves bought the good pieces that yeah, were but, proven but on Golden Closer, Guardians. Closer, Hoohee, and FBI were not like studs when Golden Guardians grabbed them, and they they eventually had to make these upgrades with Someday and Abadaga to eventually get their title. Yeah, but I think uh, to that point about finding the these these other players to start building around earlier, you don't necessarily need the talent. You don't. They didn't need someday to attract the other pieces. I guess is what we're trying to say is like they didn't start with like insane talent and build around them. They they kind of brought people up. Anyway, that's the that's the the dig side for Golden Guardians. Yeah. The take is way easier. Uh, they've been looking. I, I've had rumors. They've been you know evaluating and looking at jungle position for quite a while here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm pretty sure they have had their eye on River. I think anybody who's been looking at Jungle had better have had their eye on River. So I think Golden Guardians is very happy to get this like very timely, all right, let's get a boost and let's make playoffs exciting. That to me is the, I think this is amazing news because I'm like, oh my God, this just makes more spicy playoffs. We're just gonna have so many more uh, actual competitive, you know, threats that are going in when people are like, oh my God, top eight teams in playoffs? I'm like, yes, give me, you know, give me, <laughs> give me eight good ones, baby. Everybody, let's kind of just siphon the the bottom here. Everybody who's about to get out, chop them up, get the best pieces, shove them into the teams that are going into playoffs. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to work out because I do think it's an upgrade for Golden Guardians. I just like all I can think of when I think of the Golden Guardians now is the Santorin slot where he's talking about Pride Soccer. He could like, he knows <laughs> where he's bathing with his eyes closed, right? And um, and that was like kind of bm but then there was also he basically showed it right in the game after so i was like oh shit uh but like river i do think is is kind of the opposite of of um pride soccer pride soccer is like really farm heavy he's more herbivore jungler he's more about like optimizing pathing and getting really strong himself and then using that to kind of carry the game is is how i see him uh and river is much more a jungler that plays for his lanes um and tries to like enable his lanes and get them ahead sometimes that like to his own detriment so uh it's going to be a big change for golden guardians and i'm excited to see uh you know if that can help to boost guys like Licorice and Blaze Olive who are like already solid in, in lane and if that can kind of like take them to that next level. I think it should be a good fit playstyle wise as well. Golden Guardians are a pretty aggressive team uh, in the early game. They get out to big leads and <laughs> River should slot into that game plan well and then like where they fall apart is like just late game decision making and River's been really good on Dignitas about being like I'm going in everyone please follow me now and so hopefully he should just shore up the jungle pool, help their early game, and ideally help their late game. NJ4 just got buffed. Pogs. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were already close to striking distance of top top half of the league anyways. They were yeah. four and six at the end of this weekend. We'll pull it up. Five and four six. and seven. Four and seven. <laughs> Golden Guardians, yeah. yeah they were I mean, too, that's right. Yeah, they're they're dangling down there. They're they're in Wait, se- does that make sense? That's that's an uneven Yeah, because the first week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, four and seven. Um, TSM, who are one one game behind them, also made a change. Um, and with some of the information that has gone out on Reddit and um, on the Discord, it does look like Soul uh, actually made the choice. Hey, not really, you know, fully fully ready right now to to go back and train in academy. And so they are bringing up Solo. 
This is not something that's unexpected. If we could actually check the tapes for once on uh, our dive nope. when this was announced, <laughs> I was like, so how long do you guys give it until Solo gets in? And I forget who it was. Somebody said two weeks. Um, but uh, Solo coming in is is going to be you know beneficial. Like Solo is an LCS-ready top laner. Solo is to me like the perennial always LCS ready top laner that teams call up when you know they're they're having you know top lane issues. Um, I really like Soul, especially as a huge personality. So yeah, I, I still have I still think he has a bright future. Um, I don't think actually people are going to be too heavy um, and critical on him. I know people are always worried, like, oh my god, if a player moves up too early, then they're going to get criticized, especially if it's on a bad team. Um, yeah, he, to me, he does seem like he'll he'll recover. He'll um, he actually is going to have a you know strong future. So I think I think it actually is a mutually. How do you, how do you guys see this though? Because this is like you guys were kind of positive on the dig version, and this is literally just the exact opposite in the same situation, basically, right? They're about as good as dig. They had one more win, and they're doing the literal opposite, which is taking their their like promising rookie. Putting him back in the academy a, and bringing up a, a you know big veteran. To me, the big difference is that their rookie actually wants to go back to academy. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not ready. I want to you know fully train so that I can have this triumphant LCS. Well, his, his Discord message was that he thinks they have a better chance to make playoffs with Solo, right? But also it's like, it should is that the biggest goal? Like, does that even matter if you get like eighth and just get slapped, or you get like seventh versus ninth or whatever? Right? Like, it's yeah. interesting because to me, this is literally just the exact opposite of what Dig was doing, and you guys obviously like that. Yeah. So I'll I'll say I'm I'm somewhat negative on it to the point about like Soul being the one deciding to step down. Like, mm -hmm. it makes it more palatable, but I think there's still a question about like that to me is everything. Like, if I have a player that comes to me, um, well, so and my. Go ahead, sorry. My basketball coach did this exact same thing. Like we had a, a player that was too nervous and he was only going in to shoot the uh, free throws and when someone's got someone got fouled and and he was like, Oh my god, I don't know. Do you really want to put me in? I'm so nervous. And he was like, Fine. If you don't want the if you don't want the ball right now, you don't get you know, the ball. You don't get the ball. Don't put him in. Uh, uh, so like I think that's fine if he went to management and he started this conversation. Yeah, I guess we have to evaluate the veracity. Yeah, because yeah. it's not necessarily that he agreed that he's not ready, but did he go to them and say, take me out? Because uh -huh. I think there is some there about like, he's a really young kid. And if management comes to you and they're like, hey, how are you feeling? Because Solo's <laughs> down there. And if you want... We could do this swap. We could, you know, like uh -huh. could really help the team out for playoffs. Yeah, like, like depending it. on how you how that mm -hmm. conversation started, it does matter because him agreeing yeah. and him wanting to are not necessarily the same thing. Uh, and I also think that good management should have the foresight to know if a player is ready or not, and not really make it the player's decision. Because when he was brought in in the first place, they gave him some scrims. They said, "Oh, he said he was ready. Let's put him in." Mm -hmm. um, but like, if but everyone on outside the situation was like, "Soul's not ready. He was in the amateur just like months ago." You know, like this guy's not ready for LCS. And then you know, two weeks later, sure enough, not mm -hmm. ready for LCS. And like, management maybe should have just never given him the chance and gave him time to develop. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of those things where like, I don't hate the move if soul is legitimately the one being like get me out of here i shouldn't have done this yeah but i do think that like sometimes you do have to protect people from their own decision making and whatnot and like maybe they just shouldn't have put them in or, or anything you know it's mm -hmm. tough to say but I, it doesn't feel good i will say and of course it is hindsight um 
right now, but I don't think there's too much harm in information gathering. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, maybe you learn new, inf you should be able to change your opinions when you acquire new information. <laughs> if you're a logical person, if you're a reasonable person, that should be fine. Um, and so they gain a little bit more information, both him and the, and the team. You know, as he plays some in LCS, and if your if their opinions change, uh, and if their feeling on it changes, then I think you should react. You know, quickly to that change. I think they did decent due diligence in getting solo in preparation. They were very clear in the announcement. They're like, "Hey, we're super open to make continuing to make changes. We're figuring stuff out here. We're still gaining information. We have solo in Academy. Solo is much more of a known quantity." Uh, everybody's going to cite when he was on no Academy team and no LCS team and FlyQuest picked him up and they went straight to finals. Uh, don't think that's going to be the case <laughs> in this scenario, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it, I think it is good that they were ready, you know, and they've got a you know more senior player to take over. Uh, I don't know how much, you know, f direct flame or anything he he got from fans for, for the weekend that he had. I hope that it's not very much. Uh, and I hope that, you know, people don't hold it against them. Yeah, the final thing is just the goal being playoffs, I think was was the final piece for me where I was like, huh? Because that was one of the things that I had said I wanted out of them was like internal goals, metrics for growing and whatnot and not external goals like playoffs and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I, to the point about Dignitas going and saying like, well, playoffs isn't really going to change anything for our like franchise. It's the same thing here where I'm not sure what limping in the playoffs will do. So that, that's the, the final thing for me is it, it's just like, I don't think there's necessarily a ton that you were playing for anyways. So everyone should go watch Academy and see how Soul does down there too. Give you, you do give your chance, uh, yourself the chance at the, the solo lottery though. I have to say, you know, I kind of mentioned it as a meme, but. <laughs> Who knows? Exactly. All right, we're going to step away for a sec and then we will be back with Invert to talk about the patch. Welcome back. I've magically teleported. I fell really far from Azale. Yeah. This is the first time we've been this close. After now, asking if I was attracted to him, he moved close. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I like the way this is I'm going. I'm glad I could help facilitate this. Uh, we are obviously uh, joined by Invert for the patch talk. Uh, please introduce yourself for the fans. Hi, everyone. My name is Gabriel Zoltan Johan, Very also cool known name. as Invert. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little rhyme at the end there. Uh, I am a coach for Immortals in the LCS. All right. Um, now, patch 1214. This is the biggest patch we have had in a very long time. A lot of systems changes, uh, direct changes to a lot of the super high priority pro champions as well. Uh, so I'm super excited to dive into this one. It definitely uh, feels a bit preseason-y, right? Yeah, it, it does. A, a and and they, they said they were pretty open to, they're like, all right, we're going to give ourselves a pretty long runway towards Worlds. This is the base. This is the base for Worlds patch. And every patch after this, they're going to try and adjust for it and, you know, find the find the outliers that we'll talk about today. Yep. <laughs> right right in time for LCS playoffs on yeah. the horizon as well. They're, they're just sneaking this huge one at the end. Great great for the coaches, for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right, let me tell you, you, you don't know, you only can't complain. We have Feral Flair thrown at us, healing changes, like <laughs> on playoffs package. Yeah, yeah. I, back in my day, I, when, when they threw a patch at you, I, it was not in the regular I, season. I remember uh, summer 
season eight, the whole like mage bot lane switch up oh, in the final yeah. meta. That yeah, was a whole yeah. other thing as well. And you guys want GP to be dead in solo queue, <laughs> but he's a permaban in pro. Play. Okay, so the the system changes are going to be really big. So I actually think we should just start with the champions first because sure. the champions are pretty easy to digest. I was really happy even just looking at the nerfs list. I'm like, nerf Zeri and Yumi and Seraphine <laughs> and New Sivir on the same patch? Hallelujah. Let's get it. Um, Renata as well has just been the best support because she's so tanky as an enchanter, can engage, can disengage, uh, and... Uh, can be abused by uh, Azale, Azale as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually think Renata is really fun to play. So. Dead a tear. So that's that was, that was a little bit sad about She's that. She's gonna be fine though. It's yeah. just it's base health and base attack damage, which are very very generic nerfs, which to me don't hit any of like the meaningful things about playing the champion. She she should be more squishy in my opinion. Yeah. She was way too tanky for a ranged champion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the, the big champion change that stood out to me, um, I would just say is GP. Um, yeah. That one's a really big one, I mm -hmm. think, both for solo queue and pro. It's basically like taking power out of the barrels, putting it into the passive. The passive is obviously way harder to use in team fights. Like yep. when, I, when I think about how people actually play GP, generally the only time you're actually like getting passive autos off is if you like hit a barrel on someone and you flash on them and try to like kill them with the, with your auto and stuff, yeah. right? Like it's like the end of a team fight or chasing someone down or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like Late it's, game, it's, it's it's really hard to use. It, it's a great buff for his tower taking though. I yeah. think that's something to note as well is if you're able to get crit early. Yeah, uh, that you're just gonna shred through towers if you're left alone in the side lane for for a little bit. That extra twenty damage uh, mm -hmm. off the crit chance it does scale because he'll hit the tower with the passive, hit the barrel, hit the tower with the passive again, over and over again. So I was on your camp saying like I wonder how much of like a substantial nerf this is because it wasn't just the the, the barrel ch changes. There was also Q damage nerfs, but that evens out by level five, and then it's a, a buff in late game, um, as well as like his base HP got hit and his base armor, but his health growth got buffed, so it's a uh, evens out, it's like 10 extra HP, but 40 taken off, uh, 10 extra growth. So around level four, you're back to where your HP values were before. It, but it, it scales up over time. So health growth, isn't, that stuff yeah, isn't I, linear. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, it has that weird curve. Yeah. But like very quickly, you'll still in lane phase, get to your old values, I'm pretty sure. It's bounced around level four or five for these changes, both the parlay change and the health growth change as I understand it. Um, and his then, first couple levels are going to be but though. His first levels yep. are butt, but he also won most matchups level was, one anyway. I was going to say the, the base armor, I think, is the most important thing for like the lane phase itself, where mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes in pro play, people are pretty hesitant to play AD champs into Gangplank. Like the you'd have the Gnar maybe, but people are playing like Shivana, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're not really building AD, you're building to like break the barrels and be super tanky so they can't one-shot you. Uh, Kale is another like AP answer that people normally played in into the champ. So now that armor's nerfed and the health is nerfed, that maybe you see Aatrox or the NAR matchup being a little better or just other AD options being able to duel into the GP in the early lane phase. And I also just like, he's more diveable because you're all very frequently, if even if your top laner is AP, your jungler is going to be AD. And so he's going to be taking more damage uh, regardless mm -hmm. if you can set him up to tower dive early, which I think should be a weakness of this champion. He, he should be a champion that you can uh, you know try and attack early because, again, yeah, they're putting a lot of stuff into scaling and especially into the crit build now. Yeah. This also significantly hurts the bruiser build, uh, I God, think, though. for sure. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, probably shouldn't be the better 
uh, you know, default build. So I was the, the thing I was curious though is there's the lane phase and then there's team fighting, which we've talked about, but there's also like 15 minutes that's neither of those, basically between 15 and like 25 minutes where you're kind of side landing 15 and even onwards from there, where this passive trial by fire when you're trading in side lanes and stuff, it can be a big buff. It actually can, especially if you're grouping it with. Again, if you ever get priority, you're grouping it with Demolish. I think he can take tier twos a lot quicker now with the passive buff. And so that, that's that, where I was like, I, I wonder if like, yeah, your lane phase is a little weaker. You can't actually win level ones. And then your late game, your barrels don't do quite as much. So they stuck some base damage in. But like, what about those like 15 minutes man. in the side lane? Is this not like... You guys are way more positive on this than me. <laughs> I, I think GP is gone from pro. Like I, Straight dead? Yeah. Like I, I think when I think about a lot of the matchups, like think about like, okay, like NAR GP is super common, right? Like, but NAR also people, got nerfed. NAR yeah, did get some that. nerfs. Um, but like a lot, of the, a lot of the early GP matchups, it feels like GP is dumping all of his mana, like utilizing his early power to get his first reset. Like you're more taxing GP's mana pool than, than his health in the early levels, right? And because he has such strong early levels like he's able to actually like bully people out you know use all his corrupting potion charges get his his sheen recall after four waves and like kind of get out of dodge right and i feel like if if your power is that much lower with like okay they cut the base damage in half it's 10 off q parlay level one um is is like armor is down his health is down like if you can't actually control the wave or people can all in you and stuff like i just feel like the rest of his game gets so much harder like if you can't get the sheen recall this champion is so much worse. And like, I, yeah. I feel like it's way more situational to get value out of the passive autos than it is out of just like barrels, even for trading in lane. We'll, we'll probably talk about this later too, but yeah. I think the rune changes as well impact his lane heavily insofar as... All the regen. Yeah, all the regen's gone. Like C-Pot got, got nerfed, so he's no longer able to pop it, run at you, get a grasp queue for free and, and bully you that way. Um, or at least doing that uh, is not as free, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, I think the laning got a lot worse, uh, but just in terms of actual scaling, like this champ's power fantasy is like hit level 13, have the max barrels, you know, get the triple barrel, get the double barrel. It's going to be a lot harder to do that now, 100%. But when you get there, if you are able to get there, uh, either through a good jungle matchup or your support is core JJ and he's coming topside, <laughs> you know, uh, being able to get to that point. Once you do get to that point, it's a lot more impactful, I think. All right. Big jungle shout out for jungle Pantheon, baby. I've been waiting <laughs> for jungle Pantheon to come back. So I'm super excited for that one because that's again, like a, a early proactive jungle who can set up ganks on a lot of lanes and the holistic goal for these changes. And a lot of these patches has been to, Get more early action back into professional play. So I'm super excited for him. You know, just just increasing the monster damage is going to help. Is there any uh, champion-specific one that stands out to you? Uh, I really like the LeBlanc change. I think getting <laughs> the mana up is really cool. The base damage uh, in conjunction, again, with the runes, right? Mm -hmm. Bone plating got nerfed. Uh, Scorch got buffed. Sun impact got, got buffed as well. Uh, that that one doesn't really. It's like one M pen, so that one's like not as important. To Massive, <laughs> but the base damage on W, I haven't like mathed it out at all yet. But if by level five or level seven, you can one shot the range minions with W, uh, and like last lost chapter for example, that this champ will be very very strong because you can roam yeah. very easily. I saw this, I was like, oh my god, JoJo just got the biggest buff. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he's undefeated on the block this year. So. <laughs> this is huge, oh, JoJo pin buff. Yeah, uh, but no, I'm I'm excited to see that champ 
back in pro play in some capacity. I think it's a very fun champ to watch, uh, very fun champ to cast, I imagine, yeah. as well. Uh, and also how this champ will function in a world where Lissandra exists, Poppy exists to, to a pretty strong degree, and just how much these these rune changes, especially in the base damage change, impacts them. The one thing I want to throw in is the fix on the Umbral Glaives for a laning Nocturne. You can now last hit your, <laughs> your cannons. Why do you want to throw that in? Because <laughs> I love laning Nocturne. <laughs> I know I know all the uh, solo lane Nocturnes are like, thank God, finally, because they've been complaining about yeah. it. This this thing has been in there ever since they changed the passive. Um, so they fin they they were finally answered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. Shout out to all the one one trick Nocturne laners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the main reason, obviously, you wanted to come in was you wanted to talk about more the philosophy of like of devs and changes that affect pro. So yeah. We can kind of like move past champions. There's obviously a lot there, but um, and talk more about the systemic changes, right? Obviously, the durability update came through. That was very heavily focused towards solo queue experience, not pro. This is now the adjustment yeah. for spe pro specific. You know, we had the devs on a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you if you watched that, but you know, they talked about um, that basically like on average early game kills in pro were down 30 percent um from the stuff that i looked up across most leagues kills overall were down 20 to 25 percent mm -hmm. so obviously they wanted some more early action um and this is kind of the response so like how are you generally feeling about about it and you can dig into whatever changes you want i definitely agree that i, I think part of it is especially due to the tower changes in particular mm -hmm. towers hit like a truck now so trying to get dives off, you have to be really coordinated or you're going to two for one or two for two or, you know, it won't be a favorable trade necessarily uh, for you. I agree that more early action should be in the game. I just wish it was uh, with two objectives in mind. First is I think top lane should be involved in early action in a way that's, yes. you know, pretty, pretty uh, important to the game. Because um, I think the game, the game is super focused on bot lane right now the dragon spawns at five minutes normally teams are pathing uh to bot very regularly because getting your bot lane involved in the first eight minutes of the game basically opens the map up for you right you get first dragon if your bot lane gets first move you're almost guaranteed herald unless you you mess up or they have to drop waves to to match and 5v5 you right uh so i would i would like to see something that involves early action that is topside focused uh, that helps top lane get involved in the game before uh, Herald spawns. Because right now, it's just an island. Like There's just nothing going on for top lane. Everyone wants to get bot involved in the entire game. And uh, at the very least, I think these changes are helpful for top lane to be like fight island now. Like now there's early game runes. Now people are squishier. They're able to actually like... Uh, Fight Island, that sounds sick. Let's get it. I will yeah, watch that TV movie. Series. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Licorice's tweet? That's how it popped yeah. into my head. It's yeah. so good. After, uh, it, it, for people that didn't see it, you can check out his social media, but he was basically like, people always ask me why I say GG to the enemy top laner and not the enemy, the whole enemy team. <laughs> He's like, you will understand. It's a top laner thing. You know, it's an It's, it's an not us an land. island. It's, it's an, an us land. Exactly. <laughs> Fight us land. Let's go. Yeah, but I think early action for the game for as like a viewer experience a spectator experience yep uh is really important right like people want to be engaged in the game from minute one minute zero even uh and just being able to do that through like making lane phase a little more important uh even if tower dives are not going to be a thing like make sure that we can actually punish bad laners properly 
uh, I think is good for the game. And then getting those skirmishes a little earlier. Again, I wish they were topside more often, but... Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, the the reduce, the reduce sustain, I mean, we talked about this like a second ago, and I was talking about this last week on the dive. The nerf to health potions just yes. feels like one of the biggest changes to the game in, in a while, um, because this affects every champion, um, and especially Starting affects bot lane a lot, yep. because uh, Longsword 3-Pot is so popular um for for a lot of these lanes that are very heavily scrapping yeah um and it means that like if you take a bad trade like or if you mess up and you're getting you're getting punished like it is going to be way more punishing right you can't just pot through this and there's so many times where we see um in pro you know like level one level two people will go for a scrap if someone like is trying to fight for level two the other team gets it a little bit faster sometimes people lose you know 300 health like right at level one because the other team hit two first and then they just pop all their pots they play lane a little bit slowly but they're back to full health and they can't actually be all in yeah play off the waves exactly and so it's like this this is theoretically going to change that a lot um, time warp tonic, corrupting potion, also nerfed. Second wind nerfed. Bone plating nerfed. Thank Guardian you. nerfed. <laughs> like uh, challenging smite nerfed. Exhaust nerfed. Like all of these things are pushing towards theoretically more long lasting consequences to the trades. Which I like that idea. Of course, in in theory, it sounds really good. Some lane matchups may just become miserable where it's like not you didn't miss execute. It's just the matchup. You just get pounded, um, and that's a concern. But um, the hope is definitely that like good trades are rewarded and, and bad moves are punished. Yeah, I actually want to praise Riot for the direction. It, it, it's exactly as you said, where good trades are are now punishable, but that doesn't mean the impact of the durability patch is necessarily lessened, right? You'll still be tankier at the later stages of the game so that if you were to survive an initial engage through like the extra HP, armor, MR, that... There's comeback potential in a 5v5 based on, okay, you made a mis small mistake, now you can kind of outplay it because you didn't get one shot, right? You can heal back up, fruits, smite, whatever, right? Um, but in early game, you were not getting punished for those mistakes due to the durability patch. Mm -hmm. Now you are able to, right? And now teams can actually build relevant leads in the lane phase that get you to those 5v5s to be in a favorable favorable position, which I think is really important. Like, we should have people not be one-shot by Gore Drinker Kiana or whatever, right? Why not? <laughs> but, we should, <laughs> but we should also have people actually be punished for, you know, eating the Lux E level one, right? And and eating eating the, the Caitlyn Q level one or, or what have you, right? Yeah. It just makes so much more sense to have uh, higher max health and durability and just less sustain. Because if you're getting one shot from, oh my God, I'm at 100 HP, I just got one shot, um, you know, you have less, uh, less durability, then that does feel bad. But if there's less sustain and, oh, I'm starting this fight at 80% and I got one shot, okay, fine. You know, that's more acceptable yeah, to me. Yeah, 100%. Um, so it, it does put more power in the player's hands as far as preparation for some of them too. I think universally, we, and I think a lot of the community is aligned around the reducing of sustain throughout the game. There's also a lot of changes at itemization with shielding and healing power. Some champions in-game sustain also got hit like Wukong and Aatrox and stuff. So obviously yeah. it's not just these early game things, but some of the champions that were benefiting from, oh, I take less damage, but I also heal an insane amount. They, they hit a lot of that. And I think everyone's on board with those. How are you feeling about like the other system changes with regards to like Herald and Dragon? And because there's also the incentive to fight more. They've made the fighting that you do stick better, but there's, they're also trying to get you out of lane to fight more. How are you feeling about those? Well, before I get into that, I want to say real quick, uh, 
with, with respect to the healing and shielding, I have, Ryde, if you're listening, I have two requests, okay? First, uh, Sunder healing got buffed in the previous yeah. patch. Until okay. like until like three items or it, something. It's, it's kinda, actually an early game buff. It, it's kind of ridiculous, yeah. honestly. And I, I think that that is antithetical to like the stuff we were talking about where if you're ta- if you're building Sunder, you you take a bad trade or, or you get into a bad situation in the 5v5, it's super easy to to heal back up off of it, especially with slippery champs like Wukong. Uh, secondly, uh, I think it would be really, really cool to have uh, a s- engagers. Uh, so, so basically, if if you survive the first engage on, from like a champ like Nautilus or Alistar, it's like really easy to currently in the durability patch to peel back off and like lick your wounds and get back into the fight. But for the teams that have engagers, like the engager, it's really not easy for them to commit to a second engage. Uh, so I'd love to see like itemization show up that helps support engagers or jungle engagers be able to get the second engage off after the enemy team has survived the first engage because oftentimes you're not able to do that. I've got the perfect idea. We can call it Blink Dagger. Blink Dagger, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Holy shit, where'd you come up with that? <laughs> I, was thinking, I just came into me. <laughs> I was thinking it'd be really cool. I know Thornmail exists for cutting healing, but it'd be really cool to have like an engage item that cuts shields, right? But. Shadow flame. <laughs> so, yeah, like it always play. did feel weird that like but if you don't have a good lethality user for the serpents, that shields is like are yeah, just too powerful. Are just strong, yeah. But sorry, I wanted to to go into that. But on barons and dragons, or sorry, dragons and and heralds, um, I actually think that this change is in a direction that's good again for the broadcast and like for viewing experience experience, but i'm really unsure and hesitant about how this change is going to affect the strategy in in pro play because when neutral objectives get higher hp it actually uh discourages split pushing to to a degree if you're in a 5v4 situation for a much longer period of time contesting and you you're able to give more engage angles to the five that are on the objective uh it, especially with unleash teleport in mind there's going to be a lot of objectives like first dragon second dragon first herald that are not you know your top laner the person with tp won't necessarily be fully involved will actually be in positions where you know you maybe you're playing the fiora maybe you're playing the kale whatever split pusher but you actually have to show up and drop waves to be a part of the fight or else you know that in and of itself is game losing so i i actually have take a little bit of issue with the health buffs in particular for the early objectives because it's not encouraging you to take the objectives it's actually a huge amount of time wasted because oftentimes teams will uh leave waves neutral or, or drop a wave in order to secure it. And in this situation, the golden experience you lose off of doing that may actually be more important than the actual objective itself. So you're concerned that teams won't contest because it, it's like too difficult to contest, basically? Or you're concerned that people it, just won't push at I, all and people have I'm, to always show up? So, so always showing up is my first concern. Okay. And then my second concern is that committing to like the first few objectives is just a huge time sink like yeah if every if cloud dragon has as much health now as like mountain dragon did that was a notoriously difficult or like you know take a very long time to do that dragon it's a huge time sink for 
camps you might lose or waves that your your teammate dropped to help you do the dragon and things like that. So it's I, it's I, interesting because it is a bouncing act. So the rewards are better. So the time investment is bigger. Yes. But also the rewards for both sides of the map dumb. are actually bigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dragons, dragons, all except for Cloud got fifty percent increase in effect. Yeah. Cloud got a uh, hundred percent yep. increase in effect, and Rift Trail two hundred extra gold. So yeah, the, it does make the, sense. Like, okay, we're getting bigger rewards for a bigger time investment. The Herald one is actually the like quote unquote scariest one, I think. It's now, a lot of gold. It's a lot of gold, and now Second Herald is worth so so much if it actually is able to survive like three crashes potentially. Yeah. Um. It, it can be worth a lot. And so contesting Herald and contesting second Herald, hey, that's how top lane gets relevant again. Uh, more relevant again, I guess, is just being yeah. making those objectives so important. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty, uh, I pretty mean, worried that we're just going straight into team fighting, team fighting yeah. and that we're not going to get a lot of variety. Strategic diversity. Strategic diversity because off, like, again, no unleashed teleport before 14 minutes. So how you're... How Let me introduce you to Shen. <laughs> or any global, right? Maybe globals get a little... I feel like global global kind of get a buff, right? <laughs> yeah. Like GP, GP Shen yeah. and things like that like do yeah. kind of become more valuable, right? Yeah, and like should. I definitely see the concern of like, hey, if this pushes out all other strategies, that sucks, right? Yeah. And it sucks for a different reason. I think... Um, the thought process of making them take gear for greater rewards is that A, they're more desirable, so you want to fight, and B, people can't just rush them, right? You can't just like go on this really quick and it's in a small timing and just burn this dragon down. Like there's more of an opportunity for the other team to come and fight because I think that's the dev's design goal is that it's like, this is so desirable that both teams want it, but you kind of got to win a fight to get it, right? Um, because I don't know if you can actually like burn it down now, just if the, if bot lane bases on like a weird timing, I don't know that you can just go to Dragon and insta-kill it, right? They'll probably uh, theoretically be back in time to still contest you there. So you have to be more like set up for the fight. And that that's the thing that's the thing that I'm worried about is, is it even worth starting at that point versus like, oh, my blue jungle camps are up and I could uh, be so like... So you're worried that just everyone's just going to leave Dragon alone or, because it's too hard to start. Yeah, especially early and mm. like if people can't get involved in it uh, without losing something like oftentimes I mean Dragon doesn't give that much gold or, <laughs> or experience or anything like that. Oftentimes it's actually more worth it individually for you to do your quadrant over the objective itself. I mean the other angle is that with the decrease of sustain in the lane Winning lane harder is another way to secure these. Uh, so think, even though you know Renata just got nerfed, but like Callista Renata, Lucian Nami, these like strong bot lanes. Um, if you can dominate your opponent, uh, make a gank, and they're too low to contest, you can theoretically do it now. It still will take longer, um, but it does hopefully incentivize at least doing something to earn the dragon. Whereas right now, what a lot of teams do is like, all right, you have bot prior, you get the dragon. You know, they, they just don't yeah. even, like, they're not even really low. They just, like, they don't think they can win the fight, and the dragon rewards are ignorable so enough. But, and a lot of teams that actually are winning early game right now don't stack dragons as how they improve their game plan. They much value gold and, like, and herald. a lot of, and herald and stuff. Yeah. And so a lot of times you actually see the losing team grab the dragons because they're like, well... It's like a trade. Yeah as, yeah, a, as a free thing that they can get because the other team's crashing waves or doing other stuff. So, like, yeah. I do yeah. think that's why they are trying to hopefully put more power into it. And I, I see the concern that if it just takes too long, then like no one goes for it at all. Yeah, and to, to your point on like the aggressive lanes, just like being able to push their lead in and get it for free. I, I do believe that if you're 
if an enemy, if you crash a wave and you're like, your team's like, oh, we have bot river control, let's get dragon. Oftentimes, if they're really that low that it's, you know, it's doomed for the enemy laner, that you more often than not want to just deny them the farm that's crashing under tower, get the plates, get, you know, zone them off experience so that then you get the herald mm -hmm. and then maybe there's a lane swap situation where your bot lane swaps up and they get all five plates bot top and then suddenly they have a mythic at at nine minutes or whatever, right? Like that to me, if the dragon takes like 10 seconds longer, and again, I haven't like mathed it out or by any means to see how much the bonus health is equivalent well, let's to see. time, it time says, on dragon. I was just looking, Co. So it's going from base health 2,050 up to 3,450. 2, yeah. It's always yeah. difficult to tell with the line <laughs> or it goes through the middle. Through, it's 800 right? bonus health. Yeah. yeah. If it's, it's, about, I mean, it's, it's 33%. About a, it's 33%. Yeah. yeah. So if it's 33% more time invested. Yeah. I was wondering like, where you're picking up your laptop. Like, <laughs> because uh, you right through line. over here on the side of the screen. Like, <laughs> where are my glasses? Oh, I have them on. Is it not always frustrating the, the strike through of yeah, actually, notes, I was reading. I always am like, I was is it a six, eight, I, or zero? I was reading the the Siver change, the Ricochet one. Yeah. It's eighty to sixty five, but yeah. I swear for a good five minutes, I thought it was sixty to sixty five. Yeah, they were buffing it. Why don't you guys just like, stop are they glasses? doing this? I don't yeah. have a problem. I don't see what's going on here with you three. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Either, honestly, <laughs> yeah, we so. can't blame the glasses. Yeah, we can't blame no, the glasses. It's, it's, it's just, just a brain, brain issue. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like thirty three percent. I mean, my biggest hope for this is that um, you know objectives are earned not just purely through 5v5 but as as you guys some of you guys were saying I think it was maybe you or I can't remember um, that like through laning prowess right like yeah. I want I want to see more clear advantages earned through laning prowess cuz I think laning is is one of the most interesting parts of the game if not the most interesting part of the game like I love uh, how how like you know the, a really strong laner can can create large advantages in solo queue in in pro play people are so good at loss mitigation in laning that like often even if you're a superior laner it doesn't result in a big thing because teams are so good at actually coming and bailing you out of bad lane states mm -hmm. and like the support will just roam and come and help you push it out with the jungler and things like this like yeah. i want people to get punished more when they mess up in lane i don't want it to just be oh well i went corrupting a biscuits and i just chugged all my potions like shoved it out and then reset and just keep doing this because you're able to kind of sustain through some of these bad trades so like that is my biggest hope for this is that laning like prowess is rewarded more heavily that incentivizes like more more objective takes because you've created these lane advantages that creates more conflict like i want more deaths early because uh truthfully like it is so important that fans enjoy the viewing experience right like that, exactly that is if people don't that's like that's why to we watch level it, two ganked on on sunday <laughs> there you go what's <laughs> <laughs> the game for the fans, yeah. so, um, fans. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like if people don't like to watch the game there is no esports scene right yes, at the end of the day exactly and i have heard so many fans uh complaining this this split um you know not just lcs but but globally lpl is maybe the exception because they're still kind of playing a little bit more crazy um but most leagues have really slowed down or at least there's not like all games have slowed down we do have some really active games but there are a much higher concentration of games where it's like 18 minutes one kill or 18 minutes no kill like those type of games it was that that lck game that's like, like 35 or 30, 35 or 35 minutes yeah. yeah and there's way more of those like that's extreme but there's yeah. way more of the like 20 minutes no kill type thing um and i do think that like you know it's it's important for there to be to be action to really like uh 
not just for fans enjoyment, but for pros to be able to like showcase their skills, right? Like, and, and I think it's much easier to, to understand like laning prowess and team fight prowess and these types of things than it is um, for some of the map movements and the ways that you're setting up waves. Like that's yeah. just not really digestible and understandable for fans at home. So I do think like in that way, um, it, it's definitely frustrating from the pro perspective, I'm sure to like have a, a big bunch of changes dumped on you. But I also think it is a cool opportunity for for pros to, to kind of like build fandom um, through theoretically like showcasing lane dominance and showcasing some of these more obvious skill sets. And hopefully, as they were kind of talking about, this is like the runway, this is the launch pad or like the beginning of it. Uh, and if there are these problems, like people are just not doing tracking because yeah. it's just too, too damn hard. Like, you know, it's two more weeks before adjust. hopefully they yes. adjust it and, yeah, and they drop yeah. it back down. I think the bigger one that you brought up was how to get top lane more involved because with these changes that didn't come through was potentially being floated around a, a nerf to teleport to make it seven minutes which just further disconnects top laners was like kind of the, the fear and they, they ended up pulling that change. But I do think that there is still this kind of looming like, okay, dragons are really important. Obviously people are going to be fighting over them. What is top lane doing during this? Are they roaming down? Like how do you get top lane involved in all this? And even Rift Herald, like you're saying, what often wins it is not top lane laning, but it's actually bot lane, bot lane yes. first move that gets yeah. you it. So I think that's something that they still need to figure out. I mean, I, I think it's pretty straightforward reactions to... They're increasing the value of uh, these team fighting objectives in the middle of the map. The way that if you're concerned about split pushing, then you have to increase the value of split pushing and the rewards that you get from split pushing. Uh, there's there's just with these changes, they're only putting power into team fighting neutral objectives or trading the two because they're buffing both sides of the map. Mm -hmm. uh, so they make it important, you know, to to get the other side. But um, I mean, hole breaker still exists. So if they further increase the value of split pushing, then they can still balance that lever and get you know strategic diversity of having you know split pushing come back in. I'm I'm generally pretty, pretty positive on these. Actually, it's funny when you start talking about the part about the game you like the most is laning. I'm like, mm, I'm a jungler and I don't lane versus, <laughs> I don't lane versus anybody, but. When I saw the potion nerfs and they include refillable potion, the first thing I thought was like, there are some fringe junglers right now. It's like basically anybody can jungle right now. You can if you <laughs> if you want to play a champ, you can put it in the jungle and you can actually do it. That was not always the case with jungling. You used to get low when it first started. Yep. It was it was actually surviving the jungle was mm -hmm. a, a strategic part and a lot of you know small things with actually clearing your camps. Um, and min-maxing, like, kiting backwards, and one or two extra autos from a red buff or blue buff could actually mean something now uh, to some of the champions that actually rely on refillable. I mean, there's there's a lot that don't, you know, like Udyr, Fiddlesticks, and stuff like that. They actually don't care about sustaining in, in the jungle at all. Exactly. Now, now you look back <laughs> at some of these buffs, and you're like... <laughs> okay, so yeah, so, some champions can literally ignore all jungle damage, and so some of them from this, you know, are going to get hurt significantly more, um, you know, because especially like, oh, if the laners are lower health, you want your jungler to be ready to gank those laners, and some of them are going to get culled. Yep. Well, it'll be very interesting. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and chatting with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, if, if any other coaches or pros are, are out there and want to come on and chat with something, uh, hit us up for sure. We, we should do a full round table because I, I, I don't want to represent like absolutely every team. <laughs> of course. Definitely colored with the Immortals bias a little bit, you I, know? I think it would be really fun to do, uh, like I wanted to have it where we had like like a coach, a pro, uh, you know, like a caster and like a GM or something. <laughs> yeah. like, 
GM. Or like what? they have to be elected from each from each match. Maybe GM isn't the right yeah. one. But you know what I mean? But like having having like the full spectrum. Or like of, an analyst or yeah, like a, a team analyst yeah, yeah. or whatever, right? Because I, I do think it's it's a cool idea to yeah. be able to get like uh the differing perspectives on changes. Maybe maybe going in a playoffs batch or maybe going to worlds, it would be cool to kind of I would just in. say also like if it's all from different teams, it's really cool too. You see the kind of you kind of get an idea of the game philosophy of each team through that. Yeah. Not, I don't think that and they can all fight it out and flame each other. Yeah, what exactly. he's really saying is he wants us to get the coaches of other teams on to, to exactly out, yeah. get their info. Oh, and be like, yeah. ah, I because, see. Because he, so he showed his hand with all the top is, concerns you know? with yeah, revenge. I'm, I'm like, so revenge so can't concerned. split push right guys. now, guys. <laughs> this is a problem. Guys, come on. I need to see that Camille back We really need to buff. Riven, have we <laughs> talked about this yet? God, please, I'm begging you. All are right. there any other uh, like Riven mains that, that are LCS tops right now? I don't think so. Right? I don't think so. Yeah, so direct yeah, buff Riven, then. Buff. I mean, he, even even Huni uh, Huni retired. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he's yeah, out. More yeah. Kumo in, in LCS at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viper's out. Viper's gone. He's yeah, screaming and stuff. So. Yeah, so buff Riven. We should aim for sixty-five percent win rate. Buff Riven. That's the ending note that that invert's going to leave us on. Perfect. All right, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about all the LCS teams. Hello and welcome back for the third time. I know you're used to <laughs> so seeing us here. Yeah. <laughs> welcome uh, back. How many? Guys. I only have here. I only have one intro per day in my I, contract. I could, so, uh, What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the dive. <laughs> that was good. I like that actually. That was uh, even as good as your transitions. <laughs> <laughs> I only got enunciated a single word there. Yeah. <laughs> great. Let's kick it off, uh, shall we? This last weekend of LCS, I, I feel like this split has been actually so exciting. There's so many little side quests and side storylines going on. Because of the super high expectations on Team Liquid, there's been this conversation and kind of dark cloud surrounding them and following them every single weekend. We've got the shooting upstar of CLG, and this last weekend, they collided. I was told these are not in order, so I can go in any order I want. And I decided we're going with Palafaker story first, baby. All right. Because he deserves credit. Before the game with Team Liquid, even a week before, actually, he started, he gave this interview with Travis where he's talking about how the names of the players in LCS are overweighted by everybody. And 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 people are giving too much credit to these older, more successful names just because you know they're reliable or this is you know this is your your home name that you're used to. And then CLG comes out and they upset the team that has made all of names and money, Team Liquid. And Palafox does it himself. Absolutely monster Azir performance. Both Blast Bjergsen in lane individually and then in all of the team fights, game saving fight winning Azir sweeps. Um, I was just super happy to see him get a spotlight because CLG have found success in other ways previously where he's roaming all the time, you know, going bottom lane or whatever, you know, roaming with contracts. He was playing Talia, Twisted Fate all the time. But this one was legit. Him, Azir, lane dominance into team fight dominance. Um, actual mid-diff. Thoughts? Uh, thoughts? Big agree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he had one of his best performances, it felt like. Um, and for CLG, I think it was an important win because they were two and five heading into that game. And if they lost, it would have been two and six after their 3-0 start. Um, I was about to say, 
If you, if you, <laughs> You're I, like, if I take out three of the wins, I, I actually, they I, were two and five. I, I, well, so I took away week one for something I was talking about with like Team Liquid where they had a 3-0 start as well. And they're actually four and four over these last. They've gone one and one every single week. So like, I think there's a couple of teams like C9 as well who went 0-3 because it wasn't their starters. And they're six and two over that record. Well, it's funny because you also have to separate the strength of schedule. For the Cloud9 one, yeah, it wasn't their starters. They also played EG and Team Liquid yeah. in the first two games and yeah. stuff like that. So like, it's yeah, more it, about streakiness than it is like yeah. overall record. Because for Team Liquid, well, I don't want to. Recent do, form, we'll, we'll get to them in a it. second, but yeah, yeah, like recency does matter. And yeah. for CLG, they have been slipping a little bit. Uh, and this was a really good win, convincing pretty much the whole way through. They were losing early game a little bit, but the team picked a lot stronger lanes and stuff. So it's yeah. not super surprising. Yeah, Team, team Liquid have actually had a couple ones where their drafts were very early game. They've they've made a switch. Yeah, definitely. And so for CLG, I just thought this was a really important win and more or less everyone looked good in it. Like their draft was was really smart. Everyone contributed. I know Palafox was like the star, but contracts had good plays in side lanes to like neutralize some of the advantages and whatnot. So yeah, I don't know if I agree with the whole like, so to a point I agree with names being overrated, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't fully agree with it. I feel like a lot of times people say that it just like kind of translates to like, I'm not getting enough credit, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, right? Uh, and and I, I do think that like he had an amazing Azir game. Like he he was great in, in lane, great out of lane. Like that was actually like a super impressive, like 1v9, you know, whatever. He's the man type game. But like most of the time he's, he's like, Statistically, he's the worst laner in the league, right? Um, you know, he's he's behind in CS at 15, 75% of the time. Like, he's, you know, has the worst Roman, CSD. Roman champions pretty much always. Well, I mean, his most played his most played is Azir, right? Like, you know, he he does, does have a, a two Talia games and one TF game. Um, besides that, he's played Zoe, Corky, you know, Yasuo, Yone, which aren't, aren't really roaming, roaming champions, and he has three Azir games. So he did play three, but, like, I don't think that's, like, massively more than probably what most people. Um, and this, is again, isn't, isn't to, like, dunk on him. I just think that, like, there is some validity to, like, people defaulting to, like, oh, Bjergsen is good. Bjergsen is not as, like, dominant as he used to be, but Bjergsen is still, like, a strong laner, almost never dies. Like, mm -hmm. he, he brings a lot. Um, so it's more just responding to that. To that part of the the interview that you were referencing, because um, I do think a lot of the like big players who like have a name, there's a reason that they have a name. Sometimes they're given too much credit because of, because of like previous accomplishments, um, yeah. but a lot of the big names are still really strong. And um, I mean, it was it was nice to see him like actually come out and and like you know sl slap someone down, right? Slap Pearson <laughs> down and like and have have that really good game. And I think Palfox had a had a really good one. Who like is one of the guys I've been critical of his laning um, at times. And like Abadaga's had some really good lanes after he was getting a lot of heat for for having bad lanes. So like some of these guys are having some really big step up games, and I and I think it's important and it's it's nice to see that against especially against the old names and the big players because I think that's how you can start to kind of like change those opinions and start to like build uh, build those fans. The one thing I'll defend Palafox for stats wise is uh, he has middle he's like pretty much dead even at gold difference and so even though he's low in csd it, i think it's pretty clearly because he's not only just on champions but how he approaches lane phase is less about individual dominance he's highest in mid jungle proximity clearly working with contracts a lot to like try and influence yeah not and they're not camping mid they're yeah. going elsewhere yeah exactly yeah. so like I, I think that's a big part of it he's very willing to sack waves and um make try and help the team out so that's his play style and i think like it sh this was nice to show that there's another version of him, which is just, I'm going to sit in lane exactly. and I'm going to dunk on you once I got an advantage. And like, that's an angle of his play that we don't always see. So it was cool. Yeah, definitely agree. And, and like you said, yeah, there was one point where like contracts ganks 
three all three lanes immediately without even like farming a camp he's like oh kill here up top <laughs> yeah. lane back down bottom lane type of thing too so i don't know that that was a that was just a cool uh game to watch from like one of the rising stories uh because of course uh, you know people people love underdogs always and clg was 10th place in lcs and academy and so for this team to like oh they took a game off evil geniuses previously in in the split this hype of that story had started to like cool and everyone was like all right they're like sinking back down to where they belong and then boom for them to pop back up i was like oh season two is here baby they got another one just in time to like reignite you know some some fire and keep it interesting the other thing too is like i saw someone tweeting about like uh lpl thing i think it was dom but like about how like oh it's so cool to watch like uh an lpl team rise from spring to summer and just become better and that doesn't always happen i think especially in North America, you don't always see that happen. And to mm-hmm. see a bunch of guys go from ninth place to, they're six now, but like punching up in some of these games, taking down number one seed, these teams that have world's aspirations and mostly doing it off their own backs. It wasn't like, yes, Dokla came in, but yeah. you know, the team is playing a lot better. This All right, how do you feel about the other side of the story of that game, the Team Liquid side of the story? Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I know you mentioned the early game thing. I saw like a, a tweet from like Peter Dunn and some people saying, ah, like they're just trying early game. Like doesn't mean anything. Who cares kind of thing. Um, and to me, that feels kind of like a little bit like hand wavy. Like, oh, this isn't a problem. Yeah. Anytime you're like, it doesn't mean anything. You know, like mm, there's there's some grains in there. There's some kernels you got to sift through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think I do think still like uh, Liquid are, are deserving of some criticism, right? For for like not being able to live up to the kind of level that's expect, uh, that people expect of them. Uh, like, and we've talked this, I feel like a little bit to death, where it's like I still think they're a good team. I don't think they're they're playing nearly at the level that like this team was built for. Um, you know, they're tied with FlyQuest, right? And and we are 11 games into the season. Who would have said that like that was what Team Liquid was expecting or what they were really aiming for? Um, and Liquid right now, like. I feel like so Cloud9 had had a bad game or two, but overall, like if you want to look at like Cloud9 main roster or whatever, um, I think most people would probably say like you know you're saying okay eliminate week one right? Would you have Cloud9 or or TL higher? You're eliminating week one. Yeah, because because that's like you know we're saying okay we're we're looking more C9 like C9 didn't season. have their starters. C9 didn't have their starters, and we're saying look more recent. Who would you take if they played right now? Well, maybe? just who do you think is the better team like over the last like four or five weeks like current form basically I'm saying. Ooh, it's it's actually pretty rough because a lot of Cloud9 wins have been like... Pretty sus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> ha- ha- having to come back through a lot of them. So yeah, that's that's a toss-up for me, actually. Well, to this point, though, EG, C9, FlyQuest, and 100 Thieves are all 6-2 and two if you knock out week one. Team Liquid's 4-4. Four and four. Yep. And so so it's like, it's it's one of those things where I'm just like, do I, if, if like Worlds qualification was today, mm-hmm. do I even think this is a Worlds team? I don't know. I actually wouldn't be shocked anymore if TL didn't make worlds. Like if this is their current form, if we're if playoffs yeah. playoffs was today and they have to play today and it's all today, right? You know what I mean? Like that's not what's happening. They can improve. <laughs> well, and to um, Palafox's point, if you took nameplates off, would you be like this team has the potential right now to get there? You know, like yeah. we're, we put so much value in why yeah. we think that they we, can get there because of past, not right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like their current form is not really like that different than like a, than like a CLG who's been like you know a bit up up and down since since the beginning, right? And so it's like, and as you were saying, most people are like, all right, CLG lost a couple of games, back to your spot, like get down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like TL's losing those games too. Like C9, I don't think has been brilliant. Like they're um, like I think they're getting a bit more of a pass because it's like, hey, like. 
multiple role swaps, Jensen coming out. So like people mm -hmm. are still like, ah, we'll give you some time. At a certain point, time has to run out and we have to see how good they are. Um, but like, yeah, I'm just like, is Team Liquid a world's team? Are they the fourth best team right now? Are they the fifth best team right now? Is FlyQuest yeah. actually better? So, and I, I totally that, get like, I have them fourth. Yeah, because with X, it's all about the expectations that people yeah. have for these teams coming in. Yeah. And Team Liquid, you know, heavy lies the crown. Yeah, people, you come in with spending all this money and having all these stars, then you're going to have a lot of expectations on you. And so it does kind of suck. But yeah, people are going to be more more critical of that. I do think it's exciting that we don't have. All right. Yeah, easy, no brainer. Our world's teams blue blue blue. These are the It's great for These players. are the these are the top 3 teams. It is exciting. Yeah, there's definitely like two parts of where people are like well, our expectations were high, so we're disappointed for, in you. For me, I'm really excited from fan point of view. I'm just saying from TL point of view, yeah. they're not excited about that. They wanted to be clear yeah, cut. Exactly. I'll give you the copium angle for TL fans right okay. now, though, because I think everything you said is correct. The thing is, though, they're number one in the league at gold difference at 15 by a pretty substantial amount. They're at 1280. They said they wanted early game, baby. Well, goal accomplished. And goal accomplished because the next closest team is EG at basically 500. They're like uh -huh. 700 gold over the second place team at goal difference. They're also highest in kills and assists at 15. Like they're the most proactive team. Mm -hmm. they, they do draft a lot of early game champions and often, you know, yeah. champions inform your play. But like there's this criticism that Team Liquid, I still see it that like, oh, they're just not proactive. And I'm like, are we watching the same games? They're, yeah. They're, they're so proactive. They just F second up their fastest game time as well. Yeah. Only TSM is faster, but that's more like fast losses. Yeah, exactly. So like this team is insanely aggressive and fast. The problem is that they fumble it because their coordination is bad. And if you're looking at what you need a team to fix, you have some of the best players in the league, hands down. There's not really any debating that, I think. And that speaks to why they're able to get these early game leads because they can pick laning champions and actually slam lane. The things they need to prove on are the coordination. But in some ways, that's an easier fix than like our players just aren't good enough or we have legitimate champion pool issues. I don't really think they have those. Yeah. Like the things they need to fix are how they work as a team. I will say a little bit though, to caveat, like, you're saying it's like, ah, like they don't have any early game problems. Like they're so good. It's just that they're fumbling later. It's like, well, yes, but also three games of Lucian Nami and stuff. And it's like, you're supposed to be way ahead, right? And if you if you draft some of these uh, kind of like champions that they're drafting and you don't turbo stomp early game, then you just auto lose to, out, to getting outscaled. Well, yeah. And that has happened to them too, where it's like, if you're playing against like Jinx Azir and you have Volibear and Lucian Nami and like a Swain mid, and you're 1K up, you're actually losing, Yeah, right? I'm with you. That's why I said it's very champ pool informs your play. Yeah. Like in that game versus CLG that they lost, they were 2K gold up 10 minutes in. Yeah. The thing that they did then was they just tried to bail Bjergsen's lane out for the next five minutes instead of like continuing to snowball. And so I think there are a lot of problems that they need to fix, but like um, they can generate leads and some Definitely. teams just are not good enough to do that. And so that's what I mean is like if you're, the copium angle is I'm not ignoring those problems, yeah. but I'm going straight cope is like, if you fix how your team functions in, as a five-man unit, you actually have the potential still because a lot of things are actually still positive. And I was gonna go like actually add on to your point, like like and I don't think it's actually like full copium. I don't think you're being del like delusional at all with that take. Is that it's if sustain and stuff is nerfed, theoretically, like stronger laning is rewarded more, right? Um, so maybe they can actually punish teams and, and blow open games. Uh, through the early game. FlyQuest, baby! Philip coming in. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that Philip has uh, at least overperformed my expectations, which is a super cool story. And this team overall, um, like Takui is, is, is um, you know, it feels like this whole team is kind of rallying, right? 
What do you see FlyQuest getting, you know, breaking up into the 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 top four, top five uh teams that I mean, we've they're had? There. They're in the top four, top five. Because this team, this brand has been underestimated quite a lot and has had multiple LCS finals appearances. Yeah. But they're such a good guy brand um, that I think it just keeps happening even I was, when they find success. I was concerned when Trisha left the org that like they were going to lose some of what made them so charming. Mm. Um, but like their content that because teams give the LCS broadcast content to run. They're the ones it's doing really that like good. adult swim style thing. Yeah. And like those are great. Like it's they they always seem to bring fresh perspectives on content. For a while, it was just being the good guys with the the tree quest and B quest and C quest, and it's nice to see them continuing to have fresh takes on how to like approach fans, but also find undervalued players or being able to put teams together that don't jump off the page, but then actually work well. And this is another version of that. Uh, and, and I think they are a top team right now. Like they've beaten FlyQuest. I mean, they beaten Hundred Thieves. They beaten C Nine. Um, they've almost beaten a number of teams that they ended up like throwing to. Like this is a legitimately good roster. It's not like they're perfect, but like yeah. they are pushing right now to to break into like we're going to worlds. Screw all these other teams that got all the hype at the start of the year. I mean they're tied tied with Liquid, right? They're tied for third right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know whether or not like I think that they are going to be like I wouldn't bet on them going to worlds, but like they're for sure top four, top five. They're in there, um, and they've been playing really well. I also say if you haven't seen. Uh, Takui's interview um, mm -hmm. that he was talking about like Bjergsen inspiring him to go pro and like showing that like you know he had been bullied in school and like Bjergsen showed that like hey like anyone can kind of like become this this like aspirational figure can become a pro and like you know have this great career and play on the big stage and like you know Takui saying that inspired him and now you know he like has has had his struggles with being bullied and with his disease and like wants to hopefully inspire the next generation of pros like I thought that was like really awesome to hear from him like he's such a, a cool guy um, has a great story and and he's kicking ass at the pro level, right? Like he just won player of the week. Um, he was second team all pro in spring. Um, it's it's great, right? It's it's really hard to not want this guy to do well. Uh, so I, I think FlyQuest is, is a lot of fun to watch right now. And and Philip to me is like, the fact that he's not the story is a story. Like the fact that this guy isn't tanking oh, the team. Oh shit, that's deep. The fact, like, you, know, you know what I mean? It's like the fact that this guy like with with how much of a problem I think his laning had been in Academy and how much people like, even when I talked to, talked to like their team pre this season when they were bringing him up, they're like, yeah, he's not LCS ready, but like we think he's going to get there and like he's a really good culture fit and like all these things that are like, ooh, you're really making me think he's going to suck. But like, you know, you wanted him for the squad and like eventually he could be okay. Like his laning isn't isn't amazing. His laning is still a problem, but like at the LCS level, okay, so his, his CSD at 10 is negative 3.6. It's not anything to write home about, but like that is not abysmal. And he has played aggressively like for the team. Like he's been able to find engages. He's been able to like be confident to look for plays. So like I'm pretty pleased. Um, you know, if, if he can actually work on this like clear part that he needs to work on and get help with that, like this could be a really, really strong player. And the fact that they're actually tied with TL with someone who their team was saying he wasn't ready for the LCS is like, that's kind of crazy, right? Like, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I think all five players are very easy to, to root for and have a good story about Afro, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Jose Diodo has been... Jose's so fun. He's, he's super funny in his interviews and he's been doing the take notes spam whenever he does anything good or... God, I want that emote so bad. We worked MSI, so I... I don't, write I, I don't have the emote. I wasn't paying attention. If you reach out, you could probably still get it. I was going to say, sometimes they let us 
um, if you it's work so the event. It's so funny when you, like, they fail the die. It wasn't really a fail, but it's like a one for one, you know? <laughs> he had to like ward hop flash down and he's like, yeah. take notes. He misses a, an insect, take <laughs> notes. <laughs> I can't get enough of the, the spam. I want to make a compilation of yeah. it. That one, I want that one. And I want the Jensen one that's like, you know, the, oh, the, the face that's, yeah. the the face that's like, what so did you good. just do? Yeah. Jensen uses that one always. That one. It's really good. Yeah, I have that one too. Yeah. That, that's a banger. Yeah, that one's, that one's really good for sure. <laughs> Dang, you must have got that from an event too because I couldn't find it in the store. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know where I got like any of this stuff. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have an icon that everyone always asks me about that's like a gingerbread man that's like being eaten or like broken apart or something. Christmas, the early Christmas events when League used to do Christmas events and you had, we'd have the snow yeah map as well it yeah. must be something like that but like ones. people are always like where'd you get that i'm like how should i know <laughs> <laughs> all that you're not cataloging <laughs> no i i started playing arams a ton recently and like the whole like loot system to me is just like i don't know what i'm clicking i just click things and i'm like orange stuff. essence blue essence this thing <laughs> that thing i'm breaking this down i'm making keys i'm like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know where any of this stuff is coming from yeah seems like a perfect place for us to throw the evil geniuses discussion in there you go make our producer happy yeah <laughs> They did lose a game, but I think people are, I saw some people overreacting. They literally lost to the second best team. 100 Thieves is the second best team in the LCS. And the fight at Herald that determined basically the whole game, EG had were winning it two kills to zero, and they overchase over this Azir wall. Abadaga smashed and, him. And everybody chases through, and then Abadaga gets his bailout, and all of a sudden he's got a quadra kill Azir. And like you said earlier, Abadaga's been playing way better the last two weeks. Yep. He's like a completely different player. You give this man a quadra kill on Azir, and okay, now they're going to get outscaled. 100 Thieves have Azir and Zeri. Um, so, uh, yes, it was the first place team losing a game, but the sky is certainly not falling. No, absolutely not. Like you said, to the second best team, losing in a way where they're still like, they're a scrappy team. They're going to take fights and it's they're not going to win every single one. And this is like best of one regular season. This yep. can happen and it happened. Okay. It doesn't really change, I think, anyone's evaluation of them or their talent. So unless this becomes a trend and they just start losing a bunch of team fights... And then they drop like four games. Yeah, you know? they overchase all the time. And yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't care. Like I yeah, didn't care exactly. that they lost as far as like as my as <laughs> they my, like, built they built that that trust up with you that yeah. you're like, all right, you got one. That's Here fine. you go. Yeah. yeah. Um like because I haven't talked about that in, in cast of their games where it's like teams, teams that are the best team fighting teams are all going to go together on the call every time because that's what it takes to actually be the best. And you see this with the very best LPL teams too, is that they will have games where it's just a colossal in because like <laughs> they all commit to the call. It goes bad. Something like this happens where it's like, oh, well, bailout came back up. Azir got a quadra. We drafted early. They drafted late. I guess we lose, yeah. right? Um, and that's that's going to happen every once in a while. You can't be perfect. Like They're not robots, even though they are the best team fighting team. They are going to make... Uh, they better not be robots. That's <laughs> illegal. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to you know <laughs> drop some games uh, because of that. So I, I'm still really, really excited for EG. I'm still really hot on this team. Um, the improvements that they have made from spring to summer are like incredible, right? And, and way beyond what I thought they were going to make yeah. uh, because they struggled so much in spring. So it, it's been a pleasure to watch them. I'm not really concerned about the loss, but like the hundred thieves side, I think is more of the story. Yeah, because it's it's more of a positive story, right? And um, Abadaga had been getting kind of roasted because his laning had been butt, and I think rightfully <laughs> so. Like he was looking bad in lane in some of these games. It was like he was the single reason that their early game was going so bad because he's just getting trashed. I think back to the last game that they played against EG, where JoJo overdove 
gave him a free solo kill, and then continued to slam him in lane with with Abadaga having the solo kill advantage, just trashed him. And it's like, what is going on, right? And then you think back to last week, his Silas game was the best game I could remember from him in a long time. Then he follows it up with the Azir game. Um, you know, he's team fighting well, he's moving around the map well, his laning doesn't seem to be an issue anymore. I don't know if it's like a motivation thing and he's now he's he's fired up and he's practicing harder or what, but like whatever it is that's changed, he is looking as good as he did uh early spring when they first got him, which is like this is this is the best we've seen him in quite a while. Abadog in peak form is like arguably really best mid laner in the league. Yeah. And he, I would argue hard against that. Best peak Abadog? Yep. Who who do you think's better than Jojo? Hmm. Well, I don't mean he's like unanimously like MVP, but he's um, in the conversation for best mid laner when he's playing well. Yeah, you can soften it a little, but you said best, and I was just I was just adding my two cents. You're, I you're just, wrong. Just arguing against he, it. his his statement didn't make you wrong, but like no, I like I like the hard stance. That's yeah, fair. I mean it's either way. The point is that like at least it becomes more arguable than like when he's looking terrible. Uh, but I think hundred thieves because closer was on the desk and talked about how they're a team that does sometimes need the motivation, especially in the middle of the split when you've made back-to-back -back finals. Mm -hmm. um, you can probably get a little tired. A lot of them, have they went to Worlds last year. The chains are heavy, you know, your, your head's being weighed down. I, 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 I don't necessarily hate when teams are a little like, we've been here before kind of vibes. Like, Impact has had those over his career, you know, where you're like, he'll get back to, to form. And I think for, for 100 Thieves, they lost the finals in a pretty horrible way. And I think that's why it feels maybe a little worse this time around. But I think they've shown at least that, like, they're a team that can't be, like, we've seen their, their peak. And it's about if they hit it or not. And like if they're hitting it in week four or five of a regular season, it's not really when I'm concerned about it. Um, and they're good enough over this stretch where they're struggling that it's not that big of a deal. They haven't gone zero to this this split. Their worst weeks are one and ones. They have some two oh weeks. So like even this struggling form that they had a couple of weeks ago was you know, it was okay. It, it was definitely okay. I think it's, again, more about, like, where they were versus where they are, right? Yeah. Like, where they are is still pretty good, and I think actually really good now that Abadog is stepping up. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, people are comparing it to when they won summer, yeah. right? Uh, where they, they were, like, a very different team, I think, than they were in, in spring, um, you know, this year. So... It, it had been, you know, like a while. Like, like when I said spring, I should have specified. I meant like for Abadaga, spring last year, right? Like, or I guess summer it was summer last year. Like, yeah. Summer, excuse me. His first, his first split with the team um, when he came in was looking really, really good. So, I think it's it's more about the comparison to that, right? Like, you know, thinking about them as like, are they a team that can win the championship type thing? In spring, they got clapped in finals. Um, EG clapped everyone in playoffs though. So, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they can really kind of like maintain this current level now because if Abadog is really, really looking good and is a big threat I think the team is is pretty scary yeah I, I it was also more almost even important to me because I kind of adjusted to Abed playing better that the bottom lane also I actually it had been a while since the bottom lane of 100 Thieves like really exerted and was like yeah this is one of the bottom lanes that we had always talked about in previous years they were the best bot lane either the best or you know very least conversation top two you know stuff like that so uh i think that was also really important for them you know beefing yeah. up for that playoffs yeah, fbi and who have really fallen out of that combo like pretty much people only talk about um, danny 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 vulcan core and, berserker. and hans berserker you know like yeah. th those types it's like they they've quietly fallen out of the conversation not just for the best but for like the top three which is like is is kind of a fall from grace um given that 
it was it's not that far removed right it's just like summer last year everyone was talking about it even i want to say before they got abadaga people were still talking about their duo yeah. as potential almost even poly. more so because they were like yeah. this is the only way 100 before the combo was like bottom lane is the only way they could win right yeah yeah all the way back to that TSM upset on the Golden Guardian squad. That's when people were like, oh my God, FBI's nuts. And yep. yeah, like you said, quietly not quite up there. Um, one of the people who has inserted himself in that conversation is Berserker. So talking about C9 now, clean transition. <laughs> and what team is he on, Mark? Cloud9. Let's talk about him, Mark. They had an <laughs> ugly 2-0. They've had a lot of ugly wins, games where like they just scale and like the kale comes online. They <laughs> make some mistakes. I <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's so funny that it, the Cloud9 Cloud9 fans are fully embracing it. And every week that it just feels like they're like, count it. We take those. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it again. A boom. Two more wins. So I, the, don't look at the actual. <laughs> Don't look at how we got Close here. Close your eyes. Look at the victory. It's screen. about the destination, it, not the journey. It, yeah. it is really funny though, because also the players are, you know, so, you know, such memeable, uh, you know, good good natured players too. So it's 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 fun to watch too, since we set this. This was the team at the very beginning. We we're like, all right, this team is going to have probably the steepest, you know, curve. Yeah. Um, as far as the amount of changes and getting here late and all those things. Uh, coming together, but uh, it's it's funny because they're still bumping along, but picking up wins two zero week. Jensen's Talia game was really good, though. I will say, yeah, um, yeah. They always need somebody to be like one hundred percent to really yeah. rein it they in. Carry and, Fudge across the finish line. They need something. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. Fudge is carrying himself, and it's the other people. But there's always one person over like oh, not yeah. overperforming, but doing what they're one supposed person's to. on. Yeah, on. yeah. yeah. So there's always, got they've got the designated driver for <laughs> for the for weekend. Every yeah. Everybody Fudge was drunk that game for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. And Jensen's like, get in the back. I got this one driving it. Was, them it was really funny because after the game, I started casting the next game, right? So I was walking through the back always and I saw Jack and uh and Bob or whatever and they're like, oh hey, I said hi. Yeah. And like uh, I was like, oh congrats on the win. Jack was like clean, clean and Bob was like clean win, clean win. Yeah, I was like that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was they're like, all just, yeah man that all in from Fudge <laughs> Clean and, and Bobby just started cracking up. Like, he's just like, like he, you know, he's clearing his camps. He's watching that kale all in. He's like, or one of those ones where you, it's fine. We're scaling. It's cool. No problem. What do you say after that? Like, oh man, unlucky. Really, like almost had him, bro. Almost yeah. had him. Good, good job. You just good hope setup. I was watching your screen. That's what you do. Um, but I will say, the, the, down. There Ignite, are Ignite things that they need to work on. Obviously, no <laughs> big night. <laughs> Unlucky. Um, bot lane was also having some problems in lane still. Like they, yeah. they kind of get abused a little bit during lane phase. Uh, so it's like they obviously need to get better, but I do think there's value in not losing these games that they're falling behind in because other sure. teams have dropped these games. Like, for example, Team Liquid. If, yeah. if this happens to Team Liquid, they feel like they're going to lose. But C9 seemed to have the mental fortitude to be like, oops, into that one. We'll get them next time. And that actually, you know, talking about the bottom lane, I did want to say... I really like the killer Sven look. <laughs> Sven, it, the, some of the Nautilus engages were also game-saving. You, you know, um, Jensen did the lion's share of the work, but Sven actually had some really good Nautilus engages. He was to, lollipopping. To, to get them, get them picks for them. Yeah. Um, Trading his life out for the Twitch Flash mm -hmm. uh, in that bot lane fight, I think it was before Baron. That was about to be a, a 6A1v9. That at, that at that point, too, when... Like we called that out in the cast, we we're like, "Oh my god, Six A just uses Flash for one kill on a support." Yep, that is gonna bite them in the butt. Yep, and yep. it did. And it did. You could also argue later at Once the Baron. 
Yeah, exactly. They were trolling for sure. I, I, they're for sure trolling. Twitch was actually your whole team <laughs> is just protecting your whole team. Someone literally just and they didn't they have Poppy Jungle or something too. They had two people that could have stood in front. They and had taken the they hook. had some dumb meatballs that could have just been standing there because Twitch was shredding them and yeah. was super strong. They could have actually maybe won that because I actually think as much as Kale is a scaler. Kale actually really struggles sometimes in a Twitch uh, and a lot of these long-range carries because Twitch forces you to alt before you even get in range. Yeah. Um, so if someone blocked that hook, that could have been a very different game, but they didn't. And uh, and yeah, I think Jensen played really, really well. And it's like, it's interesting because you know, you're talking about how Cloud9 wins those games that TL maybe would drop. And it's, it's almost like Cloud9's like their their highs are just so high because these players are taking almost more risks, right? And so it's like they have these more like aggressive pop off style games where they can actually one v nine is kind of how it feels at times. I also feel like they run it down a little bit harder than some of these other teams yeah, at six and two. Definitely. Like they definitely have some of the war of, of that clump that I mentioned that have been six and two over the last four weeks. They probably have some of the ugliest early games, but they come back and they they win. And you know. I think this it's the only level three one v one int that I've seen <laughs> this split. <laughs> Oh, and he, um, that was the Kalen was so funny because he opted into it too. Yeah, like, no, that's why I'm saying yeah. it, it, it's the only int, like yeah. actual intentional. He was like, I can win this. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can see it. He like he truly believed that. <laughs> well, I know Freak was roasting him. He had to check the ignite. Like he knows that Sedwani plays ignite. 100 of Sedwani's play ignite yeah. in solo queue, in pro. Yeah, everyone funny. plays ignite. So I have no idea what was going on right there. It's but um, funny. it's also funny because we were talking about uh, KDA because I just like was looking at some stats and I was like, oh, who's top KDA? Notably, no one from C9 is in the top five, right? Like they don't care. They're not KDA they're players. They're not KDA players. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. You like a little int when your team. I do. I honestly do. Me too. It's so fun to watch their games. And I'm right there with them too. I'm like, hell yeah, clean game, baby. Just how we dripped the plan. Very relatable. You're like, Fudge, I would have taken it all in just as bad exactly. when I played the, Kale. The exactly. Most, me. Most I'm gonna do relatable that team in the league. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna run it down later. <laughs> It makes me feel better. The I highs like are less relatable for me. Yeah, the highs are a lot less <laughs> yeah, relatable. I don't have those to leave performances. Him, See, that getting solo killed by Sajwani, that's my guy. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just have to also have that delusion where I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm also that good as the peaks. True. <laughs> splash yeah, exactly. a little delusion. Most league players just have a little splash <laughs> delusion. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Dive. It was a doozy. We're 95 minutes in. Thank you, Invert, for coming on and joining us. If you're a pro or a coach, you want to hop in on the dive, you got something to talk about, hit us up. Also, keep sending us your questions. Hashtag the dive LOL for Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube. Um, we're all over. We got a local newspaper. Local newspaper. If you want to send your voice uh, questions, use anchor.fm. Telegrams. Telegrams. Um, maybe a carrier pigeon. If you if someone legitimately sent us a carrier pigeon with a question, that would for sure get in. I don't even care what the question is. Yeah. That's for sure. You're in. Hogwarts owl. <laughs> Hedwig, Hedwig rolling up mid-episode to drop, <laughs> drop off a question for the die. All right. Uh, this is LCS dumb enough of an outro. Continues 1.30 p.m. PST with C9 facing FlyQuest. Jensen versus Tukui. See you there. Outro just as clean as your transitions are. <laughs>